this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 256. We're recording on Thursday, April 12th. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky. We're coming to you from bookriot.com. Rebecca, you had to Hello. travel last week and you missed you missed uh, craziness, weird craziness. I missed so much. I missed so much. I was in the airport, like casually kind of looking at no. Twitter, but I wasn't on our company Slack. I wasn't really paying attention to the internet. So I knew enough to know like things are happening, but I didn't know really what the things were. And I got to be honest, I haven't even completely caught no, up. No, we'll, we'll catch up. We'll catch up today through, through, the, through the magic of follow up. <laughs> Jazz hands, sparkly rainbow. Um, we will catch you <laughs> what up is with. Happening? Well, you know, I was trying to do the the more you know rainbow from NBC. Mm. Doesn't really work on an audio only format. So luckily, <laughs> no one was Instagramming me or you know snap facing me while I was doing that. Um, but uh, sometime, let me know and I, I will do uh, that hand gesture for you in person, and you can laugh hysterically. I cannot wait. At me, Michelle will certainly request it as soon as she hears the show that I that I perform that for her. Uh, anyway, so what. It was funny. I was talking to uh, our mutual friend and uh, Jeremy, who works on the Ante with us, about both of these sh- stories yesterday: the the Nobel one and the Searcy pricing one. And it occurred to me that it's both the smallest and the largest scale of the book publishing industry, because the Searcy pricing is about the price of one title for like four hours, right? Right. Harder to be smaller than that. That's interesting to us all. And then on the very top of the heap, it's the Nobel Prize, which is literally the biggest prize in literature. That is an (laughs) epic career history making. And so we we run the full spectrum here. And weirdly, I'm still kind of more interested in the Searcy stuff just because... Anyway, I am too. Yeah. Why are you more interested in that too? We're going to talk well, about the Nobel, but I'd be curious to hear you know, your take about this. I actually think you undersold it a little bit. Like it is just about the pricing yes, right. of one book for four hours, but it looped into so many issues from what I can see at least Mm -hmm. issues and like major elements of the publishing world because it's not just like oh a book got priced wrong because of what we assume I think pretty safely was a data entry mistake it's Amazon did a thing and indie booksellers got mad and then other people got (laughs) mad at indie booksellers and who has principles and is it art or is it commerce and what are what matters about where you buy your books from like everyone those when I did pop up on Twitter on the day that it was happening I was like wow there's a lot of yelling today. <laughs> like everyone is very shouty. Um, and I was talking to a bookseller friend who was like, you know, the, the indies are mad for the wrong reasons. And then people are mad at the indies for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And everyone is just mad today. And uh, I think that was on Friday. And I was like, well, the great thing is that by Wednesday next week, no one will care anymore. <laughs> I think, I think people it, do care. I think I it's, think we're so in the too. sort of the post-mortem stage though. Like we're trying to figure yeah. out, you know, looking at with someone like a cool and collected eye. So there's some more information I can report to. So a couple of things. When Jenna recorded last week, um, the it was a Monday, so the Circe was going to be released the next day, and we were trying to we were fi- trying to find out is was anyone who pre-ordered at 
a price higher than 279 going to be charged more than 279 through Amazon? And we've had a lot of people report into us, and everyone that we've heard from that re- that bought Circe as a pre-order got it at two seventy nine. Everyone did through Amazon. Yep. So there's that. That is that is hard data. It's it's limited data. One big question answered. Yeah. One big question, at least on our side. Um, for those of you keeping score at home, it looks like we tracked through our own Amazon affiliate link um, three hundred and fifty eight hard copies pre-ordered through Ooh. us of Circe. Now, what I don't know is how many of those happened before or on either side of the um, 279 window. I know a lot of them came in mm-hmm. during that 279 window. It was like a three-hour window, which is kind of crazy. Um, but that's where we stand. And the other thing I was saying to Jeremy is like, well, you, we that's a lot for us to just have tracked but also, people who heard about it through Book Riot, not all of those sales are going to show up through our affiliate link, right? Because they maybe they heard about it, they saw the thing, and they typed it on their phone, they went through their desktop, or they went through somewhere else. Um, and then some people bought it through Target because Target had it at two seventy nine as well, and it stayed up a little bit longer. And we put an update to our posts that we're talking about this, saying, "Well, it's gone at Amazon, but it's still up." Through Target, and we know we know from some of our books, writers, insiders, some of our contributors, that we do know at least a handful of people went ahead and bought it through Target. Hmm. So the total number of sales that we are responsible for, at fault for, guilty of, <laughs> uh, should get the you know I don't know how you want to do this. Depends on who you were yelling at. Depends on who you're yelling at. You know, I think is it's not unreasonable that we're looking at you know 700 copies mm-hmm. or more um, that we're that can be attributable to us, which brings in this weird point, which is. If 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 Circe shows up at like number ten or nine on the New York Times bestseller list next week, did we do that? Maybe we we, we probably contributed to it because we yeah. know you need what about five thousand in a week to that. I mean, we can't talk about why we just were thinking so closely about this because that episode <laughs> won't be actually. It will. It'll com- be coming out today when you're listening coming at to the this. same time. On it, we're, the next annotated episode as we record this coming out on Monday is about how to hack the New York Times bestseller list. So we've been thinking overtly uh, about all the things go into it. I guess what we ought to do is we'll be able to look at book scan numbers. Right. Right? And we can... <gasps> Are we, we can... finally going to get a book scan account, Jeff? Is well, it time? I'm just, well, we need to talk about that. But I'm just saying, like, if... Uh, and Publishers Weekly has the top 20 hardcover adult yeah. front list titles. So if it squeaks onto the list by a few hundred copies, I think we'll be able to say it was because of us. Sure. Weirdly, let's take this. so let's take credit for it um, or guilt. I don't know because like I, I'm not sure. Is this guilt legit? Credit. Guilt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, the demon for this one is half white suit, half red yes. suit. You know, on both of our shoulders. <laughs> so the the pot chickens there. I've got one other piece uh, of news, and this is a little birdie situation. So I can't attribute it directly, but someone in publishing who uh, who we were talking, I was talking to this about, um, was saying they heard from a source that they believe 100% that this actually all started on Target's side. That oh, boy. Th- the price match was Target started there. Because we, we thought that maybe the mistake was on Little Brown or Amazon side, that Target price match, but actually the price matching can work the other way too, where someone at Target made a mis- like a fat finger mistake, or you know, a typo mistake, mm-hmm. and then Amazon's price matching algorithm picked it up. And that's how we found out about it. Right. Interesting. So that's what I'm hearing. So that's the, the that, there's my plot twist gif, you know, insert plot twist gif here of your choice. Um, so, which also can make sense. I think mm-hmm. 
we've heard through secondary sources, even since Jen and I recorded, that this was a it was not it was a mistake. I think yeah, I'm willing to bet a lot of money that this is just a mistake. That all the tinfoil hat stuff about marketing plays, whatever. I think that's yeah, all that was been you know, debunked at this point. Yeah, the um, the folks that I talked to said that they were also positive it was a data entry error, um, and that Amazon would not be willing to eat all of the margin on a basically $30 hardcover on one random title about mythology, um, just like for funsies. Right. <laughs> like this yeah. is... That no one publicized, right? That was, right, yeah. That's the smoking gun to me that it wasn't a there promotion wasn't, is that no one yeah, told anybody. There wasn't yeah. like an Amazon email that was like, no. hey, guess what? You can get this for two seventy nine today. Mm. And there wasn't anything coming out from Hachette, right? That nobody was pointing readers toward it is very telling about um, how it happened and also probably how late in the game they were to notice that it was happening and i think you know if it does squeak on to the bestsellers list also the big question that i will have is not just how much do we take guilt credit for but where would this title have ended up without these sales Mm. because madeline miller is relatively i guess well known in certain literary circles the song of achilles did pretty well i remember when it came out we did know that people were really looking forward to circe but would it have been big enough to land on the list in its first week? Well, Without, I mean, it's probably not. It's the know. kind of book we care about. Wouldn't you say it's like in the it's in the wheelhouse of mid list? Like yeah, this that's is a mid list right. novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not a slam. Like oh, it's a no. literary novel. You know, whatever. Um, but it's not the kind of novel where it's going to be in airport bookstores on the front table. Um, I will it's be not, it's not genre in an you know, airport whatever. tomorrow. I'll report back. Yeah, I mean, unless it's really taking off, but like. It is. That's why I'm saying it's the kind of book you it could that a four five hundred four five six seven hundred copies, mm-hmm. I think is not unreasonably to be a significant part of its pre-orders. Yeah, that, I really wish guess. that someone had had a like noted the Amazon ranking of the book before this happened and then looked oh, at how many billions no, of we, spots it jumped. It went from number one hundred twenty-eight to number four in two hours oh, on Amazon. We were well. watching that. So there you I'm go. so sad that I missed that day in the office where no one did yeah, anything except it became a, It became kind of, a, it was like the March Madness of book things. Like we were like looking at it and everyone was talking about it. Um, like so Nate I, Silver is working on an editorial about it now. <laughs> <laughs> but, so anyway, next week we'll, I'll have the publisher's weekly data, I think by the time we record next week. We'll see if it makes any of the lists. If it doesn't make any lists, I guess that's kind of the end of the story. But if it does, we, we might can have some more Do we get, uh, we get um, there. absolved of any guilt and we, I guess, don't get to take any credit if it doesn't show up on a list That's yeah fine. i don't know I, I don't know what i want to have happen now like part of me is just like i don't want to be of i don't want to have i don't want any guilt credit just let it lie but on the other hand i you really know, want to see <laughs> what it, i would like it, to know i gotta say like i wonder i wish we could talk to madeline miller about this because are you stoked that you just sold a bunch more copies of your book or if you get on to the new york times list is it a little bit like oh man but i didn't earn it because i didn't get there like i wouldn't have gotten there without this mistake i wonder if it's you know mm. i wonder if that's kind of like you win a when you win a soccer match because your opponent's forfeit yeah uh, they're the roger maris 61 with an asterisk kind of situation right, right. I, I would if i were her 
I take it. Like you, you, you know that like you had a weird circumstance, but people have weird circumstances all the time. That's I mean, true. the the person who had the book called Joyland when Stephen King's Joyland right, came and out, people just mistakenly like, bought it. Right, cash them checks. That's what I'm saying. Ah, that was fun checks. to talk about too. I remember she had made a tumbler of her Stephen yes. King money with all the things she bought with <laughs> yes, it. That's right. Madeline Miller can make a tumbler of the uh, hundred bucks that we we <laughs> we kicked into or whatever it is um, of there. So that's that's good. So if you've got any more information, any else to say other ideas i'm also here for tinfoil hat emails i may not read them on the air but i <laughs> if you do have them in you i will look at them with with glee yeah we'll take it um you know let's you want you to do our first sponsor yeah, and then our, i'll do we'll talk about nobel stuff our first sponsor this week is if we were villains by ml rio this is from Flatiron books when a group of elite college thespians perform shakespeare's julius caesar life starts to imitate art when the lead actor ends up dead if we were villains was named one of bustle's best thriller novels of the year and mystery scene says it's a well-written and gripping ode to the stage a fascinating unorthodox tale on rivalry friendship and truth and um, this was also praised by Cynthia Dupree Sweeney who wrote The Nest. It's been compared to works by Donna Tartt and If We Were Villains is a love letter to Shakespeare. So if you are into Shakespeare thespian stuff and I, betrayal um, this one's for you. Check out If We Were Villains by M.L. Rio out now from Flatiron Books. You can find it wherever books are sold and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Okay, so the Nobel, you also missed the Nobel, which was a little bit of a slower burn because it was coming out in Swedish and we don't know all that stuff. And I think there's still a lot of unanswered questions about what's going on. All I know about this is the Me Too stuff reached the Nobel Prize Committee for literature specifically. Is that Mm -hmm. right? Okay. And some people tried to recuse themselves from the committee, but you're appointed for life. And so you can't quit? Or something, mm. and now the king is involved. Like my grasp on this story is not yeah. so much. You know what? Actually, now that you say, is it just the literature prize? I don't know. It. I, so this piece we have from the Telegraph. So the, the scandal. The Academy's eighteen members. Were, oh, the scandal hit the committee that awards the Nobel Literature Prize. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so okay. it sounds like it's, but it sounds like the bylaws that apply to them apply to all the committees. Right. So that's where I'm getting a little bit confused. Okay. So you get appointed, so to, and it's to for catch life. you up here. So to catch everybody up. So there's an eighteen member committee, and you're appointed for life. Okay. And a Me Too related controversy came to someone, you know, connected to the committee and but not someone on the committee not someone on the committee but there was a suggest there was a suggestion there should be a police investigation some other things happened and then basically four people resigned in protest because they think the nobel didn't handle this right Mm. that they didn't handle this and i think they're on the good side of this like they're saying they should the nobel should have done more to investigation more to separate Mm -hmm. should have done more and jen and i were saying like this is a legit protest like the nobel committee is you know, maybe the most prestigious single like awardee slot you can have. This is a Giving seat that of up power. is not nothing. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, but the consequences of this are, are these: that in the bylaws, there's a couple of relevant things you need to know. One is that you need 12 people to have a quorum so that you can actually pick a winner. Okay. So, okay, you lose six. You have 12 to have a quorum. You can still pick a winner in the bylaws. But the other thing, though, is there is no provision for replacing people who resign but don't die. So you can only be replaced if you die. So if seven people resign Mm -hmm. but they're not dead, the the Nobel Committee doesn't have a quorum and they cannot award a prize, basically. And then they 
can't award a prize un- until ev- until ever until like how until, would they ever until those people, people die <laughs> until they die and replace them essentially the people who have resigned oh right? there's there's is, your thing this is a failure of imagination on the part of whoever wrote these rules well and now let's go back to cuz now we need to go back and look who who wrote the rules the rules are written in 1796 okay right Did, but but presumably people quit things back then well, I, I, I can't tell you uh, exactly <laughs> what people, what's the, the, the behavior of Swedish prize um, <laughs> awardees in the, the late 18th it's century of afraid of is out, outside my realm uh, uh, of direct knowledge. But <laughs> the current bananas. king of Sweden is getting to the mix. Oh, my goodness. Because he is saying. Right, of course he is. He, he is saying. This is a quote. It's not in the original Swedish. It is my conviction that the monarch has authority over the statues of the Swedish Academy, which my predecessor, King Gustav III, established. Okay. So the, the current king, mm-hmm. Gustav XVI, is saying, well, since it was um, established by the king, that I can step in and fix this. Cool. And But he hasn't stepped in yet. So um, he's just going to. He has said, here's a statement. In light of recent developments, I'm going to consider the need to supplement these statutes, including those concerning the right to exit. So presumably it's like, if someone, first of all, they have to decide you are allowed to quit. And Mm -hmm. that if you are allowed to quit, how does the Nobel Prize body go about appointing new people? Mm-hmm. Those are the two big things. So what is the man? We need an expert here that we don't have, but I'm going to ask questions mm-hmm. out loud. What is the like these people who have resigned? They're not going to show up and vote just because a quorum can't be reached without them. Right. Like that's the whole point is that's the whole point is we have resigned. Now you guys are screwed. But basically the Nobel like the king is going to have to get going on something so that the Nobel Prize can continue to be a thing. There's several unclear things in your in your you're picking up on multiple of them simultaneously. I think one thing is can you resign? Like is is that you're not in the room for the like what is that actually does it have does it have or does it have sort of force of of existing that you've resigned or right. you're just not mm-hmm. it's kind of like you're de facto abstaining. Yeah. Right? If you're de facto abstaining, right. does that count as a quorum? I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the bylaws really mean about that? <laughs> um, so, I mean, the other thing this dude did the, the guy the guy that's at stake here is named Arnault A R N A U L T, who mm-hmm. both did some gross stuff, but also was accused of leaking the names of seven Nobel Prize winners. And going he is back married so, to a woman who's on the committee, right? Some, that's yeah, the something. Situation. Yes, okay. that's the situation. The newspaper says the law firm believes he went on to leak the names of the winner in 2004, 2005, 2008, 2014, and 2015. Okay, so We've, this... This is a disaster. I mean, this it's just a disaster. Okay, right. So this guy, Arnaud, his wife is on the committee, but he is the one who has been accused of all the gross things, and he's yes. leaking stuff. Right. And so one, one of the questions is whether she can resign, because mm-hmm. her husband compromised all this stuff. Yes, Okay. Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What a mess. So it's a mess. Like, it's a mess. Truly, it's a real mess. Like no institution or industry is safe from these kinds of things. Well, that's what Jen and I were saying. It's like this is as high as it gets. Right. Right. You know, there 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 no there's no mountaintop beyond beyond this for for which this to to reach. I mean, it sounds like they they were they should have 
change the bylaws a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it seems ridiculous that you you can't replace someone who's resigned, or you can't get rid of them for the. We're not even clear if the bylaws say you can get rid of someone because of um, gross negligence or fraud mm-hmm. or being a jerk. If your um, husband gives away clear. the secrets, yeah, yeah. So the king might have to step in, which, you know, I guess if you're ever going to use a king to fix a mess, I guess this is an okay one to do. I don't know. Um, Emily, don't who, about, like, and, and one of our book right insiders, Emily, who's a Swede, lives in a librarian in Sweden, posted some awesome pictures of uh, Carl the Sixteenth at a public event wearing like Viking helmets and stuff. Yes. So, you know, it's really, it's really gone to a weird Alice in Wonderland beyond this the looking glass kind of place. so strange. It's very strange. It's, ve- it's, it's very, very strange. strange. So I, it's probably only going to get weird. <laughs> It definitely is going to get weirder. I want to. We're going to move down the, the. I just added these things here that okay. uh, I'm afraid you may not know anything about. <laughs> I think these are on our agenda. <laughs> I want to talk about. Speaking of high, you can't get any higher than this. It, we've talked about adaptation, gold rush, and we, when's mm-hmm. the peak? When's the peak? Well, we have a new peak. I don't oh, know if it is the peak. Holy crap! I just yes, clicked I that link. <laughs> yes, there's two of these. That's a B. That is that a is B. a B. That is a billion with a B. <laughs> what? So even? Amazon is is in the works on two, two of them, two $1 billion literary adaptations. This is unprecedented, right? It has to be. A billion dollars for a literary adaptation? Well, let's start with the one that's a little less surprising because we knew about it, which is the Lord of the Rings adaptation series, series, whatever they're going to do with the, the Lord of the Rings series. It came out that Amazon's financial commitment is a billion dollars. And that's split between the rights to the Tolkien estate, you know, production, whatever else is going to be. But they're in for a billion dollars. All I can do is hear that in Dr. Evil's voice. Like, it is so... One billion (laughs) dollars. It's so crazy to think about a billion dollars for a TV show. I, I, I mean... And I guess I don't. I, if you reverse engineered the Game of Thrones stuff, it's probably a billion dollars now. It like in terms of is. Like, revenue that, to the sure. Whatever. They're gonna. I understand. Yes. How you know Amazon Prime works and how these how these TV series work. It just feels like impossible <laughs> that this is. Yeah, it feels impossible. Just for some context, like a big like Marvel Avengers movie, Star Wars, like the biggest Hollywood movie budget you're going to talk about, top out around, I think, 250, 250 yeah. million dollars. A billion dollars. Okay, but so, so you're a talking billion about four dollars of those. for Lord of the Rings, I get you. And, but this. And, and, wait, 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 just one more minute on this because there's another interesting wrinkle here that came out about this news. I'm sorry I didn't put a link in for you there, Rebecca. Sorry, I'm hitting you with this blind. Is that <laughs> just, as, part, as part of the deal, they have, and I'm not exactly sure what this means, but they have the right to use stuff references, characters, dialogue, flashbacks, or whatever from the Peter Jackson movies. Interesting. Which I find very... In- now, they don't have to, and they're not committing to it, but if you're paying a billion could. dollars, you're just like, I'm mm-hmm. taking all the rights to do whatever right. I want at that point. So, like, right. I, I may not even use that, but I, I mean, you I'm going to take the... You buy the whole buffet. I'm taking the peppermint out of the... I'm taking all the peppermints out of the bowl after the, after the meal, oh with this goodness. kind of thing. So that's something to watch out for there, that they, they reserve the right mm-hmm. to use that stuff, which makes sense if you're spending a... a, a if you're, well, if like, you're ponying up a cool billion. Just a billion. It, God um, only knows like what was on the cutting room floor from those Lord of the Rings movies, too, that there's like... Was just, anything? Did they use it all? Because they're like a billion hours long. I mean... They, did, I, are I you know. telling me that you didn't watch all of the extended footage on the Lord of the Rings DVDs when they oh, came I, out? Oh, I've watched Jeff? them all. I've watched them all. <laughs> okay, good. I've watched them all. I'm pretty sure there's stuff on the cutting room floor. Yeah, right. Um, so, I, I mean, I, 
I don't know. Like, I don't know what they're doing with this, but maybe they want to go get Vigo to play young, you know, play old Aragorn. Like, oh. I have no idea what they want to do. I mean, they I want will Hugo watch Weaving a, to come in to be Elrond or something. I'll I, I have watch no a idea. million hours of Vigo. I mean, really doing yeah. whatever. Yeah, but making moony eyes at elf ladies. Perfect. Um, <laughs> show title. Moony eyes at elf ladies. <laughs> Uh, so there's that. And again, okay, big deal, huge headline. Not, but, but not too it's super not, surprising. No. It's not super surprising. Here's the one that's super surprising. This is the me. one that just blew my hair back when I clicked this link. Another billion dollars for the Hugo winning series of sci-fi fantasy novels by Chinese author. I don't even, do you know how to say it? I'm sorry, Lu I don't know Xi how to Shin. do Lu Xi Shen. They're going to pay a billion dollars for it. For the three-body problem. I mean, For the three-bottom problem. For the three-body problem. <laughs> the three-bottom problem is like a completely uh, different that's thing. A, that, that's a different thing. You know, you got to get a whole new wardrobe, as it famously said in Seinfeld. <laughs> um, this, is sh this is shocking. I don't this know... I don't know. I don't, you, hear my, you hear my, like, stunned vocal fry. I don't even know what to say about this. It's... It is my primary question is how where is this going to air? Like, are we talking about just the U.S. or is Amazon going to be able to air it internationally? Because this book is a really big deal in mm -hmm. China and across the world. Like, I think uh, you know, actually, the U.S. came kind of late to yes. this series because it had to be adapted into English. So if they can develop it and put it in front of a Chinese audience the who are already familiar with the work and probably clamoring for an adaptation of it, I would guess, based on mm -hmm. its popularity. That makes a lot more sense to me than we're going to spend a billion dollars on a book that like the on an adaptation of a book that like the sci-fi fantasy book nerds of America know about. But yeah. that well, but then again, like there's just a ton of stuff that's doing well on Amazon and Netflix that is based on literary stuff that's just doing mm -hmm. well on its own. And people probably don't even know that those things are like the bulk of the audience probably doesn't even know that those things were originally based on books. So maybe it's just going to be rad to watch. I don't yeah. know. But I have questions. A billion dollars. A billion also, dollars. Like, get paid. That's amazing. Oh, I, I, uh, just a staggering amount of money. So a couple, couple points of clarification. So. The Three-Body Problem is the first novel in a series that's technically called The Remembrance of Earth's Past, but okay. it's generally referred to as the title of the first novel in China. So that's mm. the confusion. So if The Three-Body Problem is the name of a novel, but also some people call that... It's kind of like the Game of Thrones problem. Right. It's a Game of Thrones, but it's really a Song of Ice and Fire. But really, if no one's calling it that, what is it really? Now we're talking about Dictionary War. Um, you know, <laughs> use prescriptive versus descriptive. But so it's a series of books. That's I guess that's another thing. So it isn't just one novel. It's a series of books called Remembrance of Earth Past. But here's another question, and that you know, speaking of things I don't know about, um, which is I guess what we're doing today. You know, so Swedish Academy ebook, you know, book An pricing entire target hour of my brain making this of, of just noise. of just verbal flailing is. We've talked about adaptation gold rushes in relation to relationship to sort of streaming and paid prestige television in the U.S. What does the Chinese prestige television market look like? Mm. I have no idea. No is idea. Is Game of Thrones a big hit over there for HBO? I have zero idea. So it could be that it's it's speaking to a market that's maybe this is the Lord of the Rings move mm -hmm. for China, right? Right. Where we don't know anything about it, but. 
it might make sense that China's a huge and growing market. It's, mm-hmm. it's, everyone knows that. It, maybe it's a good way for Amazon to get a foothold there. Yeah, you know, Chinese makes, commerce stuff is really complicated, but it makes sense to me if it is. I can draw that line a lot more easily than I can spend a billion dollars to produce this just in the U.S. Yeah, and I hope it catches right. on. Yeah. So, um, wow. basically what, what we're hearing is we've got some sci-fi fantasy in the pipeline um, coming yes. down in a, in a serious way that is incredible. I'm super excited to see what both of them turn into. I haven't read The Three-Body Problem. I've really been wanting to, but it's super long and it's a series. And I'm not even sure if right now we're, we're past O'Neill's Razor with it. Mm-hmm. i got a lot to learn about it. So anyway, um, this is definitely on, on the point there. I've got one other follow-up thing that's related. And now it seems like a footnote that it, it shouldn't be. But Apple reportedly is ponying up middle hundreds of millions of dollars to produce a series based on Isaac Asimov's Foundation series, which oh. is another giant uh, sci-fi fantasy intellectual property f- franchise, one of my beloved ones from as a kid. There's a billion books. It's Asimov, so people know it. Um, but that's at this point, if you're, not, if you're not even throwing up a billion dollars, we're not even going to talk about you on the show. <laughs> that's the new line. It was, the new, it the new table be... stakes is $1 billion for adaptation. So these are the standards we have. It's a billion dollars, and if you want something weird to get discovered way after death, it's like books, witch books that got saved by Nazi librarians or something. And if so now if, so, if there's a story that comes out that Amazon's spending a billion dollars about a series about Nazi librarians, we have to close the show. We have to stop. That will be well, the end. There will be nowhere to go write from a, there. First, we'll write a book that we bury in the forest for a hundred years. Because you love that. Oh, yeah. Leave that. You're going to spoil things that won't happen for like two years. Don't You can't talk about that. Let's see. Whereas I'm all over the place now. Let's do another sponsor. This is just all over. Well, so our next sponsor this week. The next sponsor is Searcy by Madeline Miller. And this was booked like well before a, a long time, these, a long time ago. These things happened. It's funny because in all the talk about Circe, we haven't talked about it's actually about. I mean, more than just like a thumbnail sketch. So let me tell you more about. It. So here we go. Synopsis sponsored by Little Brown. In the house of Helios, god of the sun and mightiest of the Titans, a daughter is born. But Circe is a strange child, not powerful like her father, nor viciously alluring like her mother. Turning to the world of mortals for companionship, she discovers that she does possess power, the power of witchcraft which can transform rivals into monsters and menace the gods themselves. This is a daring, dazzling follow-up to the bestseller, The Song of Achilles. Novelist Madeline Miller has created an epic story of family rivalry, palace intrigue, love and loss, as well as a celebration of indomitable female strength in a man's world. I'm super excited mm-hmm. to read this. We have a bunch of people that have now pre-ordered it for reasons that <laughs> I don't know why, um, and are reading it and loving it. I'm hearing nothing but raise about it, and I'm so excited. Um, I bought a full-priced um, uh, version myself that I'm waiting to get in the mail. It's got a beautiful, shiny cover. Uh, Madam Miller's previous novel, Song of Kelly, which I also loved, won the Orange Prize for Fiction. It was a New York Times bestseller and has been translated into over 25 languages. While the Song of Achilles is a same-sex love story set against the backdrop of the Iliad, Circe features a powerful female protagonist set against the Odyssey backdrop. Just all my bells. I was going to say, if you hear chimes in the like, background, yeah, this is all the Jeff things in one place. I, I know it's it's really. I, I don't even know if my face is like making bell noises at this point. <laughs> and Patchett raved about Circe calling an epic spanning thousands of years. That's also a keep you up all night page turning man. That's a good blurb. So that is Circe by Madeline Miller. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you've heard of it. Thanks to them for sponsoring the show. Oh, oh where are we? You what know, day is it? We're talking about weird stuff. So let's yes. just let's just lean Take it in. Up. Let's let's go. Let's, let's go. lean in and let's talk about Cassandra Clare. So oh God, Cassandra Clare 
this is super weird. And like, uh, okay, let me just tell you what happened. So yeah, Cassandra Clare, she's a well-known young adult author. Um, she has a forthcoming ebook that she's co-written with Sarah Reese Brennan. It's called Son of the Dawn. And they are putting it out through Cassandra Clare's newly launched small publishing, self-publishing, whatever initiative, whatever you want to call it. So it's supposed to be released. It, it was supposed to be released on April 10th, but it was delisted on Amazon for two days last week because Amazon thought that it was not real. Amazon thought that someone was putting this up in an attempt to impersonate Cassandra Clare. Like someone at Amazon saw this on Amazon and was like, oh, this Cassandra Clare has a real publisher. This is a different thing. It must not be real. And they delisted it. So this is supposed to be mm. the first in a series of eight stories called Ghosts of the Shadow Market. Each one is going to be co-authored by Claire and someone from her writing circle. And it's an experiment in small publishing. So she is overseeing publication of digital editions. And then once they are released, the ebooks are going to be like once all eight are done, mm -hmm. the ebooks are going to be collected and released as a print anthology by Simon and Schuster. So this is legit because Cassandra Clare. Her name is on the covers and it is her doing it. No one is impersonating her. Um, and the bonkers thing is that the person at Amazon, like Amazon reached out to Cassandra Clare and she said, yeah, this is me. And Amazon like was like, basically in this piece from Publishers Weekly, Amazon says, well, we didn't think this is a thing she would do. So they pulled it anyway. It's very like I said to Jen on our Slack channel, like, well, you know what happens when you make assumptions. And I just I just don't know what to so say the, about it other than this makes no sense. I mean, on the one hand, I mean, the, the generous rating here is that Amazon is, is it's an interesting sign that Amazon is actively looking for fraudulent accounts, which we mm -hmm. sometimes wonder about. Like, yeah. the, sometimes the digital only world feels like the Wild West. And how much it is a Wild West is up for debate, and we don't really know. This is at least one data point. Again, it's only one data point. That someone there is looking at stuff and saying, is this legit? Now, they made the wrong decision. I mean, put, all with that, they, they made the wrong decision. That there is no real mechanism for them to trust Cassandra Clare about this is also super weird, but also kind of understandable, right? Like, I guess what they should do, if you're trying to authenticate that Cassandra Clare is the Cassandra Clare of Cassandra Clare, <laughs> what would you and I do, I guess? Like call her on Skype video and see her face and say... But how would you get her did, Skype video account? Uh, well, so she uploaded the text to Amazon for self-publication. Right. So presumably there's an email address attached to an account where she did that. But how do you so know that's her? Email. You see what I'm getting you at? email it. Right, but you email and you're like, hey, Cassandra Clare... Oh. We're following up on a thing. Can you do a video chat with us? And because she's yeah, legit, I wouldn't even go that yes. far. You you went a different way. I thought you were going to say the thing we do to just get to interviews and people with authors in general is we go to their publicist and we say, hey, mm. we want to do an interview with you recommended. Can you give us Cassandra Clare's email address? Except in this case, we'd say we go to I don't even know who her her, her regular publisher is. It doesn't even say here. Well, yeah, this we go, go to a regular publishing Simon page and we go to the Simon Schuster's publicity say, we've got a question for Cassandra Clare. Can you point us in the right direction? Yeah. And then you get an authenticated so, contact info. Yeah. So Cassandra right? Clare inquires to Amazon about 
why the title is removed. And they email her back and say that they removed it because they did not believe that she would self-publish a book. Right. So I think they believed that they were corresponding with the actual Cassandra Clare when they answered this question Mm -hmm. from her about why it's gone. (laughs) Yeah, I guess they, it felt, it feels like they fell into a a, a self reinforcing doubt loop about whether or not this was legit (laughs) and And they couldn't get out. They didn't think, or they didn't have the mechanism or they didn't care enough to like jump out of it. Like, like, hmm. you know, it just, it feels like it has the flavor of sort of like a five years ago looking down the nose at self-publishing kind of thing. Like we didn't think Cassandra Clare would self-publish. Like lots of authors have tried interesting things on their own these days. And so that just, that just also feels weird to me. Like who is the we, is this like one guy at Amazon whose job it is to look for potentially fraudulent stuff or did it like a committee of people decide they didn't think it seemed like her. And why didn't they reach out to her about it before they took it down like well that's hey, Cassandra Clare yeah. we think someone is impersonating you is it you or not like I would want to be notified that they thought that like someone was impersonating me and have a chance to be like yes mm-hmm. that's actually me doing a new thing or like whoa someone there's a fake Rebecca Shinsky in the world um that it's all very it's weird I'm sorry let go me, back let to me address your, some of that go stuff back to your loop r- 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 riddle me this Batgirl <laughs> um it have we seen a big time author with giant movie adaptations do a self-publishing experiment like this didn't we didn't stephen king do a thing or was that that was that was that that was only that was print only through regular bookstores only okay Hmm. the the point i'm getting is maybe we haven't seen something you're right yeah maybe we haven't seen someone do a self-published thing this big and that amazon basically has filters on for the top 200 authors and say, if we get a self-published request from all these people, kill it because they're all, their algorithm basically is right 99.9% That's of the true. time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, I, I'm not it really does. trying to justify it. I'm just trying to say like, people do things because of reasons, even if those reasons are outmoded. And I could see a world in which, you know, because I even look at stuff, I see there's a deal for some book I'm doing for Book Riot Deals, and it turns out that it's like the summary version that mm-hmm. they're trying to trick me into mm-hmm. buying The Great Gatsby for 79 cents, but really it's like a summary of The Great Gatsby or whatever. There's all kinds of stuff. And Amazon, I'm guessing, doesn't have humans out there checking every one of these cases because well, what they found is there's they're all negative. There's no false positives out there. I'm ge- that's just my guess. That this like the reply that Cassandra Clare gets from Amazon says they removed the title for distribution because they did not believe that she would self-publish a book. So like there was a person at, or people at some point making that decision. Sure. Like it, it sounds to me like it wasn't just caught by an algorithm. Somebody, well, no, no, you're right, you're right. I'm not saying it's computer, but I'm saying that the human algorithm was: if you see a self-published Stephen King novel, J.K. Rowling novel, you see what I'm getting at? Like, just pull them automatically. Human algorithm got it. Yeah, right. It's it's not an algorithm; it's a heuristic. Sorry, I'm confusing computer terms. I don't understand. Um, (laughs) Human algorithm is fine. But I can see like we've never seen this happen before. So this is really an outlier. This is a this is an anomaly that they're not equipped to handle here's the thing i want to know is how many uh, of these do they block like in a given month yes 
that are to fraudulent. That. Like how many right. fake JK Rowling books are there that get uploaded to Amazon? <laughs> I've got to believe it's a huge problem. It's kind of like those stories you hear about Facebook, the people that have to watch like horrible videos oh, on right. Facebook and YouTube and stuff mm-hmm. to, you know, it's like really bad, really bad stuff because you just can't have it out there. And, and a human at this point has to do it because I guess for reasons of technology or whatever, AI can't really pick it all up. I feel like this is a weird situation. It's like a Bermuda Triangle situation, a bad one, not a good one like we talked about last <laughs> week. This is a bad Bermuda Triangle where a couple of weird vectors came along that out, that Amazon doesn't have the capacity to deal with a superstar author legitimately self-publishing something. Yeah. And even if they do and they get a flag saying this is wrong, they don't have a mechanism to go verify her identity. Yeah, it's very weird. It's very strange. It's very strange. But it is, it is one, we talked about this, I think, the very beginning of the show, of the, not this episode, but the very beginning mm-hmm. of the series Jim, of this mm-hmm. podcast. Someday, someone is going to try to self-publish, like a, a major author that can yeah. move units on mm-hmm. their own. And the thing that struck me about this is, what the question I asked you about, name another one, is it hasn't been done before. Like, we don't it have an example. Yeah. We don't have an example. And Cassandra Clare even says here, she told her readers that authors should not be punished by Amazon for choosing to self-publish. And so there's a little, like, when we, you're right, we haven't, we had wondered about that like five years ago now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Will Stephen King self-publish a book just beca- just to see how he does right. without the backing of a publisher, just on the strength of his name alone? And it's interesting that one of the, you know, I guess unpredictable elements or things we couldn't foresee about that is if he did try, he might be hamstrung by an Amazon algorithm that thinks it's fraudulent (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. or that punishes that like effectively punishes an author who is famous and has a big name for trying to go and do something on their own. Um, But you would think it's not, I don't think it's like straight up punishment though, because if they're self-publishing on Amazon, especially if they decided to make it Amazon exclusive, you're doing okay there. Um. Yeah. I mean, the the thing that you know, there's there's kind of I don't even know what you would call it, but there's like the there's the return paradox when it comes to publishing is that if you get to the point at which you're famous enough to self publish and make money, you shouldn't self publish to make money. Right. 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 right because right. you're, you're self publishing you, to like see what happens. Yeah. The the there's not like there's not a marginal value that you're really trying to recoup. I don't think at that point because a your time is better spent doing other things than doing the marketing and promotion and all this other stuff of your books, you're trying to basically maximize the return you get on the work you do, which big five publishers are great at doing with brand recognizable titles. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they're yeah, set up to they're do. They're very good at that. It's the can you, get a, can you get a book deal or you can get a book deal with no advance people that can see marginal value of self-publishing because it's, it's a smaller number situation. You get a higher percentage. Whereas higher percentage, you just want to move more units. You want to move from 2 million units to 4 million units. Um, through a big five publisher. So that there's there's some... Int- I'll put a link in the show notes. You, you guys might be interested in reading more about why Claire is doing this, a little beyond the scope of this. She has co-authors and other things she's trying to do. But it's an experiment, which I, which I admire. But, you know, one thing you do when you experiment is you find out if there's flaws in the experimental design. And what <laughs> you found out was that this is a thing that could happen. I'm very... I, I feel terrible for her and yeah, her crew of authors. It's super frustrating. And this is clearly a place where it falls down on Amazon's part, but it kind of makes sense to me that they fell down in the way they did, is what I'm trying to say. Does, yeah, that, does that make sense? I don't want to excuse them, but yeah. I, I kind of get it. I kind of get the mistake. I get how the mistake 
happened. It is one of those things that when you do the postmortem on it, though, you're like, oh, right, there are maybe some process things that Amazon needs to correct about this, that even if the algorithm or what the human algorithm is, you know, 99% correct and is usually catching things that really are fraudulent and this was a false positive, Mm -hmm. there can be layers of check kind of on those things to make sure that to to correct for false positives because it's not this is not a victimless crime people you know Mm -hmm. she is harmed by this and the ability to sell pre-orders and publish this thing and also conduct this experiment that she's trying to conduct was hampered by the book not being available on amazon for two days Um, so amazon i think could beef up its processes it sounds like here but i would now i would really like to know if you are a little birdie and you have any Mm. information about how many of these fraudulent things are caught and prevented we would be curious and we will not tell anyone who you are um podcast at bookriot.com we should set up a dedicated little birdie at uh, podcast. <laughs> we but, should yeah i think that's our show we did we did so we had a good time today it was you know i learned a lot of confusing things today, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> i learned a lot of confusing things welcome to the book riot podcast uh, where we talk about the, what's cool now. uh we should change our tagline to what's new confusing and impenetrable in the world of books and reading <laughs> i'm just gonna go work on my tinfoil hat until then yes thank you so much to circe by madeline miller for sponsoring the show today go check that out also thank you to if we were villains um by ml rio Go check that out as well. See, uh, college thespians performing Julius Caesar. They, are, are they are they trying to get at me? Are they advertising to me specifically? <laughs> like I don't get it. Episode is brought to you by Jeff O'Neill's Wheelhouse. By, by Jeff's bells. Jeff's bells. Um, you can email us at podcast at bookriot.com. Go check out Annotated. If you're interested in bestseller-related shenanigans, episode three of season two. Actually, you know what? I've just gone to straight episode titles. There's no seasons involved at this point. We're now at episode nine of the whole series um, is out. And if it won't be out, it'll be out shortly after this comes out. Go check that out. Um, We had a really good time with that one. Did lots of interviews. and what else do we want to say? The giveaway in the show oh, notes. Oh, yes. Bookriot.com slash mystery giveaway. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. <laughs>